0: People come here for a show, we give it to them, and then everyone goes home and gets high enough to forget about all the terrible things they've done. You're lucky I'm here at all. Oh, how so? I could be at your house giving it to your old lady instead. Anything you give to my old lady, I wouldn't want it back.
1: One of my favorite audio drama podcasts of all time is Adventures in New America. It's hard to describe what exactly this show is. In part, it's a scathing political exploration of the tragic American after, a crumbling new America of a familiar future. In other parts, it's a satire buddy comedy about two unlikely friends facing supernatural adversity that is vampires from outer space. One thing's for certain is its storytelling methods are unpredictable and extremely fascinating. And the standout episode for me that also serves as the basis of this essay is episode 7, The Disappointment Act. Disappointment Act serves as a break from the regular scheduled program that is Adventures in New America. Rather than explore the criminal underbelly that is the Tetchy terrorist vampire zombies from outer space, Ina delivers a performance that represents the series at its most personal and profound. The Disappointment Act is a self-referential meta text. It's the show within the show, within the show. The episode begins with on stage fictional performers Morton Stapley and Joshua Trey addressing a theater audience with the unfortunate news that they won't be witnessing the familiar spectacle that is Adventures in New America today. They go on to explain that as the members of the Disappointment Act, they're the group that's called to perform when other acts can't make it to their scheduled theatrical performances, for one reason or another. And so, a skeptical audience goes in not knowing truly what to expect from these so-called comedians. There's an inherent challenge in being the act no one came to see especially when that very concept is the act's entire identity. There's increasing pressure to be able to have the audience buy into what exactly you're selling in terms of performance. In the episode, this serves as a commentary on the contract an artist makes with their audience. An artist may take into consideration the expectations of their audience whilst trying to remain true to themselves in their art, and this can be a very tricky thing to balance. You have to remember, this is the seventh episode in the series. We as the listener are just as blindsided by this derailing of the show as the audience actually being addressed is. So the hefty bit of skepticism permeates throughout our listening experience as well, as we attempt to be anything other than disappointed. Well, Morton and Joshua more than deliver. The episode follows them doing this Chitlin Circuit-era-inspired routine known as the fortune teller. A comedic theatrical piece about a guy who gets a job at a tarot card reading. Now
0: books. you sure you know how to read these cards? Read them, play them, cut them, and cheat them. Learn from my own man. All you need to do here is read them. Now I have to go to jury duty, but I'll be back within the hour. If anyone comes in that you can't deal with, ask them to wait in this meditation room. Isn't that the closet? <laughs> yeah, but for the rubes, call it the meditation room. Got it. Good. I'm gonna go. I'm late. Will do. Yes, sir, boss. Don't worry about a thing. I PREDICT SUCCESS! Doggone, I got me a job in this tarot card reading place. I can tell people's fortune and make me a fortune. Hot diggity dumb. I hear a customer now. How you do? Can I do you for some?
1: Joshua and Morton have incredible comedic sensibilities and timing, and the sketch itself serves in adding another layer to the more lighthearted funny moments within the Inos space. It has that quality of being very rich in character. But there's also this breadth of depth to the piece that hints at something even greater. One of my favorite quotes from Morton here is when he says, The past is just the stories we tell each other. The future is our imagination. This quote asks the audience to consider the fact that the only thing stopping them from achieving greatness is their inability to dream bigger. Though this concept may seem short-sighted, I think in a lot of ways it speaks to the performative nature of, well, performing. The job to inspire audiences can be a daunting one, it's difficult to put oneself out there as a performer. It's the reason why when Joshua and Morton take the stage, they aren't really themselves, but in a way, caricatures, a version of themselves carefully crafted and curated for an audience already bound to be disappointed in them. But no matter how many layers of comedic artifice they hide behind, it's impossible to erase the harrowing personal experiences that define them, that charge their performances. The on-stage is fueled by the off-stage, regardless of whether or not the audience knows what's going on behind the curtain. And what is going on behind the curtain? Well, it's two cigarette-smoking, highly cynical workaholics who have a pension for drug addiction. Joshua states it pretty plainly.
0: We drink, we smoke weed. The only thing larger than my appetite for cocaine is your need for heroin. I'm on speedballs now, baby.
1: In spite of this, Joshua goes on to make an incredible insight. He states that, for him... Work, production, performing, is the greatest drug he's ever known. Work gets you high, it can give you withdrawal. Some people know when they've had enough and some let it kill them. New American and Old American society is fueled by this rat race, one where work is often monotonous and boring, and where leisure is seen as vapid and unprofitable, a waste of company time. Few get to truly do something they love, So for Joshua to want to die in the saddle on stage, as he puts it, die performing in this venue or that venue somewhere across the world, die with his comedic partner, speaks volumes to the way he conceptualizes not just the art of performing, but his very own mortality as well. He speaks to Morton more on the concept of mortality when he regales him with a story from his past about the death of his great-great-grandmother. He talks about this old Catholic tradition of having to wait with the body in the funeral home for days before giving them a proper burial. Family members would take shifts in pairs of twos and essentially guard the body, to keep wayward demons and evil spirits at bay. It was during this time period that Joshua formed a very personal conception of what it means for one's death to be tragic. By the time Joshua's great-great-grandmother had died, she had been over 90 years old and no longer in full command of her faculties. Joshua posits that when someone dies old, knowing all they know, that's what makes their death a tragedy. I know it's supposed to be more tragic
0: when a child dies, but when someone that old dies with all the things they know and have experienced, sometimes it just seems more of a shame to lose an old person if only because they know what they're losing. A kid doesn't know. Kids think they could be eaten any moment by monsters. they never know the difference. Damn. And you got a daughter, too. Losing my daughter would be the greatest tragedy. But, you know, just my daughter. Here's the rule. You die under 40, your death was a tragedy. You die over 40, your life was a tragedy. Nothing to argue. Just how it is.
1: Joshua would rather die young on stage, during his prime, doing what he loves at peak performance. He doesn't want to become the husk of someone's great-great-grandparent slowly slipping away. In a way, this kind of explains Joshua's death wish. The reason he smokes as much as he does, the reason he drinks as much as he does, the reason he's willing to work so hard it kills him, is because for him, separation from his youth isn't a blessing. Death isn't a blessing, especially at an old age. Maybe it's a generational divide thing. Joshua talks about how much funeral practices have changed. From the death of his great-great-grandmother to the death of his father years later, something that was once as important as staying with the body overnight has become completely taboo and unthinkable. There's this ever-shifting world, changing right under our nose. One where if you aren't careful or extremely perceptive, that which is normal can become abnormal much to our own chagrin. Adventures in New America is about this relationship between the past and the new present. The series is about the juxtaposition of old America and new America. It's a quote that rings throughout the entire show. New America, love it or loathe it, you can never leave it or lose it. New America is a part of you whether you like it or not. Because of this, people like Joshua are embedded with new American ideals and practices, no matter how self-detrimental they may be whether it be a bad drug habit or an obsession with work, or perhaps not wanting to die young, but expecting to. And like many, Joshua leaves most of this perspective behind the curtain. What's truly disappointing is the fact that audiences can't be privy to the machinations behind the mind of his creative process, of his complicated history. It can ruin the magic, break the contract, especially when said audience has no commitment towards you. It's your job to be funny, to entertain, to inspire, to work as hard as you can even if it's to your own detriment, even if it kills you. In the end, it's all just an act. New American society may have its own fantastical threats like touchy terrorist vampire zombies from outer space, but in reality, it's a society that in a lot of ways can't help but mirror the old. Mind Theater is produced and written by me, A.L.A. Bade, in collaboration with Muckraker Media. To subscribe, look for Mind Theater on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For updates on the show and upcoming episodes, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.
0: The Time for jokes is over. We'd like to thank all of you here for having me. We'd like to thank whoever we are replacing for getting sick. And whoever poisoned them to make them sick. But most of all, we would like to thank you. Without you, we would be home with our families, dealing with our lives. And ain't nobody want to do that. If you did, why would you be here? Good night, Birmingham. <laughs>